AM850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. I'm Gary Duncan. It's so good to be with you here in the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And today we would like to welcome back doctor and author of the third gospel, Dr. Luke himself. Luke, we're looking forward to hearing another of your Luke exclusive stories, you know, those found in your gospel. Oh, yeah, but before we do that, uh, we need to report on my latest hair-growing miracle cure, Dr. Luke's amazing hair-growing plaster. Oh, oh, yeah, I got the package uh, uh, this last week, but I noticed this time you had actually underlined the words, use only under physician guidance. Oh, glad you noticed. Uh, as you remember, uh, we were having a little trouble getting the plaster to stay on your head. Uh, right. But I think I've got the problem solved. But you're going to need uh, some directions to apply it, okay? Uh, it'll stick all right, but we just don't want to get all that gooey stuff on your hands. Yeah, I remember last time it was making a mess everywhere. So what do oh, you want? Oh, I know, yeah. yeah what, so what am I supposed to do now, Dr. Luke? Wait, well, you got the package there, so yeah. take it take it carefully, carefully out of the package. Now hold in only the edges of the plaster. Oh, okay. Hang on, hang on. Okay. No. Put the box down here. Let me try to open up the box. There we go. So, uh, okay. Now, and what am I supposed to do now that I got everything opened? I got it by the edges, like you said. Hold the edges. Hold the edges. Don't touch the middle of it. Okay. But gently lay it on your head. Okay. Okay, it's done. Uh, oh, yes. that Much better. It's not slipping off at all. I could turn my head, and I can even shake my head, and the plaster stays in place. Well... Let, let me take it off and I'll give it a uh, try um, sometimes later next week, okay? No, 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 leave it, leave it on. <laughs> Why not try it out right now? <laughs> I mean, it's a super fast working formula. Now you're you're going to be surprised what happens after just a few minutes of application. <laughs> oh, surprise. The glue, uh, the glue needs time to cure. What, what, what did you just say, Dr. Luke? I I I said uh, I said you'll be glad you have it in time to cure your boldness. That is, <laughs> yeah. And anyway, don't don't you think we need to get started on this week's Luke's exclusives? <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess so. We do need to get on that because time's passing us by. So, what's the story that you have? Let me man, this feels weird still because I'm trying to put headphones over this. You know this stuff. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, I don't want my headphones. <laughs> to stick to it but what is it you'd like to share with us this afternoon well well you know every other gospel writer met up with jesus after he was all grown up i'm the only historian amongst them who actually went back and and interviewed the original eyewitnesses uh, so it's not surprising i'm the only one who gives the the details of jesus early life Oh, Matthew does have some of his own unique material, but you're right. Your gospel has the greatest focus on the life of Jesus before his formal ministry. Uh, so let me tell you another story about the childhood of Jesus, or, or shall I say the babyhood of Jesus. Uh, that, again, is exclusive to my gospel. And I'll start reading, if you would, there uh, from uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 25. Okay. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, I'm the only gospel writer that tells about dear Simeon. You think others would have mentioned him, for he serves as a model for us all. Well, right. It would be good for all of us to be, as you say, righteous and devout, just like Simeon. Uh, but I didn't say that he was righteous and devout. I didn't just say that. I, I also told you how he got that way. Well, what do you mean? Well, he was righteous and devout as a result of waiting for the consolation of Israel. Oh, I'm glad you brought that term up. When you said consolation, you probably meant something very different than what comes to mind when I hear that word? Well, why, uh, Mr. Duncan, what, what, what do you think of when you hear the word consolation? Well, I can't help but to think of a consolation prize, you know. Uh, we have a game show, Dr. Luke, where people compete for various prizes. Inevitably, there's always someone who doesn't win anything. He loses every round. Of course, they don't want him to go away sad. So they always give him, the loser, a consolation prize. It's nothing compared to what the winner gets when you talk about Simeon waiting for the consolation of Israel. It's nothing like that, is it? Well, well you know, actually it is in a way. Uh, uh, consolation is certainly something only a loser gets. Uh, uh, but it's definitely not something less than the winner. In fact, it's far greater than even the best person in the world would ever get. Um, maybe it would help if I explained what the word consolation uh, actually means. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that really would help, so please go on. Well, uh, the word of the Holy Spirit, uh, the word that rather the Holy Spirit inspired me to use here was parakaleo. I, I don't even have a kaleo, at least a pair of them. Well, oh, very funny, Mr. Duncan. <laughs> the phrase is literally a combination of two Greek words, para, uh, to stand beside, and kaleo, uh, to call. Uh, probably the same word you get your English word call from. <laughs> So you said it basically means stand beside call. I'm afraid I still don't get it. Well, well, maybe you will if I give you a few biblical examples. It is quite a common word, actually, in the Bible. And I understand you're pretty quick at finding Bible passages. Actually, I'm currently the leader of the Bible racing circuit. The Bible racing circuit? Yeah, it's kind of like NASCAR circuit, only instead of racing cars, we race to see who can find Bible passages first. It's officially sanctioned by the Biblical Association of Racing Fans. Well, that does sound exciting, actually. So well, let's put your talents to the test, then. Let me share with you a variety of passages where, where the word parakaleo is used. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Let's start with Matthew 8, 5. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a certain a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. So, so you can find him real fast, but you can't read him yeah. too well. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so the word they're appealing, appealing to him, that's actually the word parakaleo. Uh, how about for my own gospel, Luke 7, verse 4? 
And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him, earnestly saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. So, so here the word parakaleo is translated pleading with Jesus. Oh, then there's Mark 5, 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. I bet the word begged is parakaleo. Well, exactly, Mr. Duncan. We'll try Mark 14, 36. Okay. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all the region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Implored him. Uh, Mark one forty. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Imploring again. And from my own gospel, Luke 8, 41. Okay. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. You, you know you are speedy. Uh, in all three of those passages, parakaleo is translated implore. Now, what all these stories have in common is they're about people calling out to Jesus, isn't it? In fact, the word parakaleo is never used in the Bible, except when people are appealing, begging, pleading, or imploring Jesus. It's never used a request made to anyone else. Oh, I see another similarity in all these stories. What's that, Mr. Duncan? Well, in all of these stories, the people are in desperate situations. I'm familiar with all these texts, and in every instance, the people are in the middle of a problem that do not have human solutions. They've turned to Jesus because he's the only chance they have. Oh, diggity. That's very insightful, Mr. Duncan. Yep, that's exactly what Parakaleo is all about. It's to call out to Jesus as if he's the only one who can help you. He is the only one. But what's this got to do with Simeon? He's not calling out to Jesus. Well, the word Parakaleo is an interesting one. When it's something men are doing, it means to plead, to implore, uh, to beg Jesus for his help. But when it's used for what God's doing... It takes on a little different nuance. It means uh, what God does for people who plead to him. And what does he do for people who call upon him? Well, consider Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the word there translated comfort is, strangely enough, also the word parakaleo. We, we parakaleo to Jesus and Jesus parakaleos us. We call out to Jesus, and Jesus, well, like it said there, he comforts us. As I think about the stories we just read, that is exactly what Jesus did in every case. In every instance, he brought comfort to those people in their need. And so Simeon, you see, he was waiting for the consolation, that is, for the comfort of Jesus and that's how he came to be, a righteous and devout man. It seems to me we have three kinds of people in the world today. And what three kinds are there? Well, we, we have people who are comfortable. <laughs> They're not waiting for the consolation slash comfort of Jesus, for they figure they've got it all they need already. Uh, then there are those who aren't completely satisfied, but they're not waiting for comfort either. Because they figure with a little work and effort, well, they'll, they'll be able to get what they need. Finally, there are people like those in these scripture stories we've been reading. They're helpless. 
maybe even to the point of despair. Strangely enough, however, there are the only ones who can really be comforted. What do you mean, Dr. Luke? Well, what can the church really do for the first group who are already comfortable? We got nothing to say to them except, I suppose, what Jesus said in the sixth chapter of my book. Oh, are you referring to Luke 6.24? But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. I guess they have their parakaleo already, don't they? Yeah, too bad, because it's only a temporary and passing consolation or parakaleo. What can we say to the second group who knows they have problems, but think they can solve them on their own? I don't know that we can say anything to them except, so how's that going for you? <laughs> uh, but for those who have come to understand that it never really goes very well for very long when we're on our own, we have much to say. Like what, Dr. Luke? Well, for one, we can say what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Okay, it's right here. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaking, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. That's what Simeon was waiting for, parakaleo, sometimes translated consolation, sometimes comfort, but always the thing that Jesus alone gives us. Uh, you know, you said earlier Simon didn't parakaleo, that is, call out to God, uh, but in fact he did. Uh, what's interesting is how he addressed God in that cry. He surprisingly used a word that often means cruel tyrant. Can you believe that? Hardly the cry of someone who's being comforted. But we'll talk about what that means for our comfort next week as we continue there, the story of Simeon. Okay, and let me move, try to move my headphones forward a little bit. Now, can I take off this hair plaster and we'll see the results of your miracle medicine? Well, you know, maybe, maybe I ought to just keep it on a little longer. Uh, Dr. Luke. I can't get it off anyway. It won't even budge. Well, uh, dang it, I was afraid of that. Uh, you know that commercial? You remember that from years ago where a guy would glue his hard hat to a beam? <laughs> and the glue was so strong that it could actually lift him up by that beam? I remember that, yes. Well, you see, you won't have to use a hard hat. Uh, you can just use your head. Yeah. Uh, you mean you super glued plaster to my head? What What am I supposed to do now? I don't even have well, a beam. I don't even have a beam well, to put, put my head on. Well, then don't, don't, don't worry about it. I, I'm working on a solvent. Oh, you're working on a solvent. But what do I do in the meantime? Well, do you have a ball cap? I got a KFU oh, cap. Well, you know what? I got to get going here. <laughs> Talk to you next week. Bye Dr. now. Luke, bye. Dr. Luke, Dr. Dr. Luke just hung up on me. Well, how do I get myself into these things? I try to be too polite to the guest, I think. But I'll put my KFU hat on for now and just try to cover it up. We are the messenger of good news. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash KFUO radio.